Hey, wait, where's my little song, JT? I was Jeremy, a little we're doing it again. There's Jeremy. It's your favorite wingman. Hey. Wow. Look at this, me go. I mean, again, I think we're getting closer and closer to just ditching all the rest of this and just listening to you sing for a while. <laughs> yeah, right. Listen, my dog is at my door looking at me like, what are you doing right now? Please stop. <laughs> well, at least at least he recognizes it as a noise. Yeah, like a high-pitched whistle that makes him want to run away from me. That's probably what he hears, but that's all right. <laughs> you know, it's 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 just too bad that like you make your own sound effects instead of having someone else make some effects for you. I'm I'm just saying that'd be kind of cool. Like if somebody like made FX for us. Well, yeah, like if we could hire someone for FX. For FX. <laughs> now, you know, JT, there happens to be this movie called <laughs> F slash X, but I'm pretty sure the slash is silent. Oh, so it's a fix, fix. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's not F slash X. I think you thought we were going to see some weird horror movie, right? A slasher? I just slash. assumed based on the title, but I guess not. <laughs> uh, JT, I'm going to find out. Will you watch FX? I'm pumped. So the year's 1986, February 7th, directed by one Robert Mandel, who didn't see... We were, this seems to be a theme, by the way. Only made like <laughs> one or two other movies that we actually really like and sort of then, I don't know, faded into obscurity. I don't, I don't want to use that phrasing because who knows what happens with their careers. But uh, this guy directed School Ties. Which, oh. If I'm not mistaken, was was Matt Damon and like Vince Vaughn's first movie. It's some weird, right. or the Affleck? Is it a Baffleck? <laughs> what Affleck? Dayfleck? There should have been a Damon Affleck thing, and I want to see more of those two together. Anyhow, it stars Brian Brown, who you might know from Cocktail. Did you ever see Cocktail? Saw Cocktail, but one hundred percent did not know who this guy was. Cocktail would be a great movie to pitch, only because it's such an audaciously ridiculous movie, uh, but. Maybe, maybe we'll ignore that you see that. Anyhow, it has Brian Dennehy, who, I, if I'm not mistaken, is your actually favorite actor of all time. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've got a tattoo of Brian Dennehy on my left calf. Nice. Uh, Jerry Orbach, who gotta love. Uh, love Jerry Orbach. If you're not sure who that is, it's uh, from Law and Order, as well as the dad in Dirty Dancing. Yes. Yeah. He didn't put baby in the corner. That's all I'm going to say. Sure didn't. It also stars someone named Ro- Roscoe Orman, who I didn't really know, but turns out that was Gordon from Sesame Street. Whoa. Right? That's kind of cool. It's, it's cool. All right. Solid 71 on Metacritic. And I'm going to be honest here. I thought I remembered this better than I did. Yes. But a couple of other things happened along the way. One is... I got more and more confident that I really wanted you to see the movie. And I started remembering more and more that, you know, it's a, it's an action thriller kind of movie. So I don't want to talk too far into the details because it's going to, we'll end up into spoiler zone. So this is like a spoiler light version. Okay. I'm in. All right. So, and also by the way, yeah, like 30 plus years since I've seen it last. So (laughs) here we go. And I'm going to miss some nuance, but I actually think my my memory of some of this movie is like eerily accurate. Um, 
like there's little moments where I could I could tell you like this guy knocks on the door and then they said this and then they opened the door and this thing happened. It's it's kind of weird and I'm like having flashbacks right now. So probably all those Twizzlers and gummy bears. Uh, what what's your movie snack, JT? Ooh, Sour Patch Kids. Oh, I'm a I'm a Reese's Pieces guy. Oh no, I will Sour Patch Kid. I actually don't have a sweet tooth at all, um, but I do have a sour tooth, and I will Sour Patch Kid until my gums bleed for sure. <laughs> well. Um, yeah, yeah, don't do that. You're not, you're not supposed to, that's, it's on the label. Do not eat until your gums bleed is clearly printed on every package of Sour Patch Kids. So the movie starts with some dude entering an apartment and like, there's this big scary monster thing that jump scares. Ah, and the dude shoots the monster a lot. Um, actually I could tell you exactly how many times they shoot him and in what order. And like, it's crazy, but we all of a sudden hear cut. And it's revealed we're seeing the making of a movie. It's like a movie in a movie. And that monster's not real because enter Brian Brown's character. He's a special effects guy in Hollywood. You get that, right? Like special effects? FX? Oh. That's what I was doing before. Did, did you not know that, JT? No, I did. Oh, okay. <laughs> At this point, we'd be in a lot of trouble if you did. All right. So, okay. So that's the setup of the movie. Now... Some other dude comes up to see Brian like offset, like they're resetting all the special effects to do it again. And there's a certain amount of like a fletchness to the plot where the person's coming up and like wants Brian Brown, I don't remember the character name, Brian Brown to come do a special effect for, for him. And Brian's a little skeptical, but goes to find out why. Now this is where I get the most fuzzy. I don't know if that dude is Brian Dennehy or Brian Dennehy comes in later. So you're going to have to leave that part for now. But the dude who comes up to him is some, one of those, like he's either like a cop or a special agent or an FBI guy or secret service. One of those like flash the quick badge. Uh, you know, we need your help on this thing kind of trope. You've seen those stories before. It's for like sure. a sting or a setup of some kind, by the way, might not be a cop could actually entirely just be for private purposes. Maybe they're like catch an ex-girlfriend or something like that. There, but there's, there's a, there's a reason to it all. So at this point, I'm actually going to guess I can set you free to tell me what probably happens because I think <laughs> that's actually enough of a setup. So I'm going to I'm gonna only go a little bit deeper because there is a bit of a spoiler here. Needless to say, based on this trope, he's a setup. Like he's the patsy. He's setting up some other thing and is being framed for the murder and is on the run. And he even thinks, like, did he rob someone or kill someone? Whatever the thing was, he thinks he did it. Oh, knows, you know. Uh, most of the rest of the movie, it's like Tops, twisty, turnsy. He's using his skills to find clues because, uh, you know, as all these movies goes, like, he's now on the run, on the lam, running from the law, trying to provide, prove it wasn't him and catch the one-armed man who actually killed his wife. Wait, wait, wait. sorry, I got those confused. <laughs> but it's that story. Now, since I really want you to see this one, I'm actually ending right here. Needless to say, there's a lot of practical special effects in the movie. It's a solid plot, lots of Brian Dennehy, and very 80s. And the last thing I remember is that despite me describing this like the Hollywood special effects guy, I'm I'm like 90-something percent the whole movie takes place in and around New York City. Okay. So would you see a... Fugitive meets special effects guy, 80s romp? Yes. Good. Yeah. And I'm going to see it again, actually. I think, I'm, I think I have to see this again now. 
Yeah. So, so as a reminder, I do watch the trailer and look at the cover art to this. And so I did. So, um, my first reaction is I would like to nominate this film for most payphones in a movie trailer of all time. There are a tremendous amount of payphones, so much so that a, a, one of the characters is on two payphones at once at the same moment. And it's just, it's a lovely thing. Oh, I know what's happening in that scene. <laughs> Good. <laughs> so yeah, I could tell you all about that. I'm not <laughs> uh, I, genuinely like the concept of this like this is actually like a pretty interesting concept like oh for whatever mafia reason we need to like stage a killing let's bring in a special effects guy who can do it but then throw in the twist of like but actually you're really gonna kill him or whatever happens right uh the the volume of 80s cheese in this trailer is it's stupendous how how was the hair jt Oh, the hair is only overshadowed by the music and the sound effects. Dude, for a movie that is clearly about effects, special effects, like there's like a whole scene with bullets and it's like the least bullet sound ever, but there's a lot of bullet sounds. It was just like really enjoyable. Like I really enjoyed the what is happening moment of of 80s. The other thing I loved is I miss seeing the Orion beginning in the movies because that's what opened the trailer. And I had like a real Uh, moment of nostalgia where I was like, oh, yeah, I haven't seen that in a long, long time. It was like Orion or um, the other one that I missed was uh, TriStar. Remember TriStar? Little Pegasus? TriStar always makes me think of uh, Gene Wilder and Richard Pryor because in the beginning of one of the movies, the horse jumps over and you just hear a crash and you hear Richard Pryor in the background go, bleeping white horse. (laughs) I can't remember. I I think it might have been Hear No Evil, See No Evil that it's from. I can't remember. I think so too. It's not one of their earliest ones. I think that's right. Yeah. So it always makes me laugh. But as we always do, my one big question because I didn't know, so I don't know who this guy is. Bradley, what's his name? Brian, Brian Brown, something or other? Brian Brown. Okay. So if you could recast this, but still in the 80s, mm. who would you have recast it with to make this a bigger movie? Because it did like $20 million in the box office, and I could not believe how high it was like an eight on IMDb, and I think you said a 70 something on Metacritic. Like it's, it's, yeah. it's well revered, but it's not a movie that I think got like a ton of, of press per se. So who would you put in this to, to make it bigger? But just to make sure I'm understanding the question right, it's not take any actor of any time. It's take a period relate like someone else who maybe a young twenty somethings in the in the eighties. Yeah, so somebody Ooh. like in eighty six who existed in the ethos in that moment who you think could have brought this movie to a different level of fame. Right, well, I'll pick somebody that this sort of doesn't work, but I'm going to do it anyway. Uh, and it's relative to it's related to today's cast, today's top five. So an actor that I really have enjoyed all of his performances, though everything I have heard about him explains why his career did not go further. Uh, but I actually think could have been perfect in this role would be Chevy Chase. <laughs> I think he had the perfect balance of sarcasm, wit. Um, he had an, you know in Flet- Fletch has enough action scenes that he can hold he can hold his own in those. Uh, okay. he's got the leading man vibe, but apparently he's just terrible to work with. So that, you know, don't know what to say about that, but if I could have had, if I could have like eighties Chevy chase, but him be like Tom Hanks in real life. So people actually like him. And yet we get that performance forever. I, I would take a lot more Chevy chase. And so yeah. I will pick sir Chevy chase. All right. I like it. I'll tell you what, if Chevy chase was in this movie, there's a, there's a high probability I would have seen it. Fair enough. 
All right, Surf. So for next week, by the way, you know the other one that fits this trope decently well? Well, maybe, maybe not. I just saw, did you see Knives Out? Oh, no. No, I didn't. I didn't. Oh, it, uh, it's on Prime there. You should, uh, you should give it a watch. It's not like I'm not like, hey, you have to go see this right now. But it's, uh, it's a well-done little movie there, especially considering our conversation about Clue, another of, of that genre. I will have my, my Clue is literally my wife's favorite movie, so I will watch Knives Out. And now I've gotten you to say that twi- two weeks in a row. So for, for next week's 80s pick, I'm giving you two choices. Uh, both start with a W, and, and I know you have not seen either. Okay. Wildcats. I'm going to add a quick, uh, should I add anything to this? No. Okay. Just by title. That's all you want. Yeah. All right. You have your choice between Wildcats and Wraith. It might be the Wraith. I'm not positive. Wraith with a W. W R A I T H. Wraith. Yeah, yeah. I'm with you. Uh, I want to do Wildcats. Okay. Because in my head, that could be any number of things, right? It could be like, it could be a superhero movie. It could be about like street gangs. It could be about actual animals from the 80s where they talk. Could be anything. And I like that. So I want to do Wildcats. You got it. So I also want to tease for you and for our audience that next week I'm going to do a So I Watched because I finally watched Ford versus Ferrari. Ooh. And, and And in five seconds or less... I have so much to say. I have so much to say that it actually deserves an entire segment. So much so that I want to take the time to write all my thoughts down and put them into order. So next week we'll do that. Awesome. Well, I'm glad you saw it. I'm very proud of you. Hey, thanks. <laughs> I was going to watch The Big Sick this week, but I just didn't get a good window to do it. But it's 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 now up in there now. Ready for, ready for viewing. I That's promise. Good. Well, it's listen, that is a highly the big sick I want you to watch, unlike Four First Ferrari, which was actually nominated for stuff, but like the big sick, I think it got some, some love numb. too. Yeah. But I also I still think it's underrated because like I just don't think it got the fanfare because it's not that kind of movie. But also being that it's underrated, that is a perfect uh segue into our top five this week. Ooh. Which was my pick, which is the top five most underrated actors. So this is inclusive actors because that's who we are, right? It just means that you are an actor, a thespian, if you will. Uh, The idea of being underrated, I thought, was a fun one for us to dive into because it's highly subjective. And I like when we are subjective because it tends to lead to arguments and fun. So here we are. Uh, So this week, for this particular topic, Jeremy, I'm going to let you sort of like Shawshank. uh, uh, What? I think I sort of almost have a Shawshank here. Okay. I'm not even kidding. Uh, and, and, and the topics come up. So we, we, we were sort of touching on this the other day. I'm going to throw out Robin Williams as, a, as an interesting discussion point here. And I've now had this conversation a couple of times, once sort of in my own head and once with a buddy of mine. Um, Robin Williams, I would argue... His film career, he, he never had the best actor. Uh, he did do a, some, some phenomenal acting in the best supporting role. He's had phenomenal performances. He is undoubtedly top three comedian of all time. Top five. I don't know. I, that'd be a hard question. But And when I say comedian, I don't mean stand-up. I mean just straight up person who makes funny things happen around them in everything Mm -hmm. they do, even when they're being serious. Cause you know, even all the dramas have moments for comedy and and in his moments, he he just does them better than 
you know, he's like, a, he's the Gretzky of comedy. Yeah. Ooh. And I, by the way, I might think that he is. I don't think he was the best stand-up. I don't think he was the best comedic actor. I think he was just the overall best of it. And I would argue that he never had that chance to shine. The flip side to my own argument, though, is actors choose their parts. I mean, to some degree. He had the opportunities for some interesting roles. And every time he had a leading man role, it never really went all that far. So he's in the, like this special category for me, like, he might actually be perfectly rated for what he is. He was not an A-list actor, but maybe he should have been. I don't know. So I just wanted to throw that out for discussion because he's a grounding name to use for such a discussion. So I love him being underrated because I do think there is a part of his comedy that was that his comedy was so big it overshadowed his other talent. And the truth is is that this guy had a couple of roles where he really really had to act and not just rest on the laurels of being the funny guy and he did. And I think even more importantly he was able to infuse that comedy into the seriousness. But he is also interesting because you and I talked about this. I agree that Robin Williams had the choice to make movies, right? right? Like, like he could have chosen better movies and either didn't or he did. And then they turned out not as good. So maybe he couldn't carry them? Question mark. I don't know. Right. Was there like secretly a phenomenal version of Patch Adams? Yeah, or like even like Death yeah. to Smoochie, right? Like de- like like there's just there's a there's he's got a list of stuff. He did that awful one with John Travolta, which clearly I hated because John Travolta. But it was like a, you know, it was it was like a rom-com sort of deal. But then he also did that one with was it Insomnia where he was like that was a more yeah. serious role. Um and obviously, you know, Good Morning Vietnam and uh Goodwill Hunting and Dead Poet Society, which like those three if you put those in a box, dude, amazing. Like an amazing actor. He did one where he was, uh, I think, like a stepdad or something of a teenage kid, and I think the kid kills himself in the movie. Oh my god! Oh man, that's the um, so Bob Ga- uh, Bobcat Goldwaith wrote that movie, and it's like world's best dad or something. And I got to yeah. tell you, just very quickly, a very yeah. funny, sto- not funny story about that. My wife and I rented that back when you could rent movies from a place, like hmm. it was like a DVD or something, because we were like, oh, it's like a Friday night, let's stay in and watch like a fun movie. And like six minutes into that movie, went. This isn't fun. Robin Williams, you have betrayed us. <laughs> like, <laughs> so ready for this? Same story. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, I, and I hated the movie for that, although I recognized that maybe if I had watched it with, that, with the context of this is a really heavy movie starring Robin Williams, I'm, it might have been better. I'm not sure. I don't know. Uh, and, and to the point of looking at things, I went looking through some standout performances over the past you know, 10, 20 years that he could have had I came to one movie I think maybe he could have won a Best Actor for that we've talked about before, which uh, which is Castaway. I actually think Robin Williams could have pulled off Castaway, and I don't think that a lot of. And by the way, other actors who we'll talk about later who might who I'd actually say are are probably better actors than him uh, might not have pulled off that role, right? Like the one thing I, I noticed by looking through over and over again these Best Actor or actress performances is. There, there is no unit like even the Tom Hanks couldn't have pulled off um, Roberto Bonini's part in Life is Beautiful or even Kevin. Well, maybe Kevin Spacey's part in American Beauty. I don't know. But yeah. they, you know, the Training Day would probably be a better example. Like 
Denzel's performance training day. You couldn't see Robin doing any version of that role at all. I just, yep. just can't see it. So True. anyhow, that was my little spiel about Mr. Williams. May he continue. May, may his memory continue to make a smile. Yeah. Well, and it most certainly will because he, he was a transformative human without, without a doubt. So he's got that. And I think that's a re I, I like that as a Shawshank for all the reasons you just said. So I, I think if for no other reason as a nod in, in respect to him, I think he should be the Shawshank. Thanks buddy. <laughs> Let's dive on into our list. Now I believe I'm, I am due this week. It is your show, sir. All right. I think this time just for funsies, I'm, I think I'm going to do it by age. Oh, fun. Just just for the heck of it. So, starting off, we have September 5th, 1951, born in, uh, I can, I'm not going to pronounce this right, Coriopolis, Pennsylvania. It's a suburb, well, it's a small town outside of Pittsburgh. Okay, small town outside of Pittsburgh, 51. Got it. Keep going. The first role he played was... <laughs> Bill Blazajowski. <laughs> okay. Yeah, no. No. Another fun bit of trivia is he's played the same character in two different movies that are technically unrelated, though we would all argue share share a universe. And that character name is Ray Nicolette. Specifically, Agent Ray Nicolette. Agent Ray Nicolette. And I know this is in your wheelhouse, even though it's probably not going to come to you. Yeah, it's not coming to me for sure. Okay. Uh, uh, this gets, uh, the moment I name any of his bigger parts, you're just going to be like, oh, that guy. So I'll, I'll, I'm going to do a little depart, mild, mild, mild shift of the thing here, buddy. His born name was Michael Douglas. But due to the way the Screen Actors Guild worked, had to rename himself, chose a new last name for union purposes. And now, as a result of his new last name, is always asked if he's related to one of two other people. Those two people's first names are respectively Buster and Diane. Oh, Michael Keaton. Yes. Interesting. Go on. So Bill Blaz- Bill, Bill Blazajowski was his role in Night Shift, which was oh. his first movie. And he was with, uh, with, with Henry Winkler. Interestingly, yep. the two of them have been friends ever since. Uh, well, that's everything I've heard about Henry Winkler is that he's like one of the most darling people in all of Hollywood. So that doesn't surprise me. Now let's hear the here here hear a quick bit of Keaton's run starting in sorry what year is this eighty two with Night Shift, uh, Mr. Mom, Johnny Dangerously, Gung Ho, everybody's favorite. Love Gung Ho. Uh, I am going to skip a couple, but we'll go on to Beetlejuice, uh, a serious movie called Clean and Sober, a weird comedy that I actually really enjoyed called The Dream Team which I don't know if you've seen, but if not, would maybe it's, ooh, interesting. Put it uh, on your Bat- Batman. I mean, Batman. Michael right. Keaton. Batman. Uh, Learn one quick, neat, fun bit of trivia. He turned down Batman forever, right? He wasn't fired. He stopped. He didn't want the part anymore. Apparently, because you know a lot of actors don't actually see their own or other people's work all that time. Apparently, was standing in line to see some other movie while Batman Forever was airing in the same Megaplex. And ducked his head in for 10 minutes and said to himself, yeah, I made the right choice. Yeah. <laughs> Good for him. <laughs> I like that. Anyhow, gets the, uh, Pacific Heights, which was a, a really fun, creepy thriller in the early 90s. Batman Returns. And then from this point forward, his career goes weird. Six years later, he makes Multiplicity, which I adore, but is not 
And, and a lot of people have seen it really like it, but it's not considered much of a movie. It's one of my favorite low-key comedies, not for nothing. Yeah. I, qu- I quote it still. Oh, it's great. Not Doug. Um, when, when he's the fourth copy of himself is the best. Yeah. My, my sister and I have a long running. I like pizza, Steve. Like it's a thing. <laughs> <laughs> so the character I was mentioning, Ray Nicolette, he plays in Jackie Brown. Oh. And, out of, and out of sight with George mm-hmm. Clooney, both Elmer Leonard. Uh, so he's the only one who ties their universe together, which I just think is kind of cool. That is cool. And then sort of nothing of interest all the way until a couple of years back where he shows up again out of nowhere in Birdman. He was also in your favorite uh, Need for Speed. He was. But he shows up in Birdman, uh, then hits Spotlight, does The Founder, and does Spider-Man Homecoming. So interestingly, it's as if his career took this sort of 15-year-ish hiatus. Obviously, right now, he's getting some fun roles. He's going to be in the the Flash movie. He's going to be doing a lot of cool things to come. Um, He did American Assassin, which I didn't even see because I heard it was not great, but I love the book series. And so here are a couple of the roles I thought if Michael Keaton had had would would have us in a different place. Uh, Here we go. I think he could have held his own, though it would have been tough, but I think he could have held his own in Ray Liotta's part in Goodfellas. Okay. I think he could have pulled that off. He has the same kind of intensity as Ray Liotta. I I don't disagree with your point, but that is like a seminal role of someone pulling a part off so well. Like I have a hard time putting anyone else there. So that's not, I'm not reacting to Keaton. I'm reacting to Liotta, but I I hear what you're saying. Here are a couple more. I think he could have taken William H. Macy's role in Fargo. I think he could have taken many of Tom Hanks's roles, specifically Saving Private Ryan. Yeah, I think uh, that's right. Philadelphia. I think he would have been phenomenal in that part. Mm. And I even think he could have maybe, maybe done a castaway. Maybe. I, I'm, seen, not, I'm not giving you castaway. Well, if you see some of his early like comedic performances, I think combining that with some of his intensity in Birdman and even in, in Homecoming, like he's an intense character as Adrian Toomes. Yeah, I, I don't disagree, but I don't I think there's a difference between intensity and madness, and I don't buy him in mad. The reason I like Robin Williams for Castaway is because he has that madness spark. And I don't think like the intensity for Keaton is why I think he could do Leota. I, I, I don't buy him. And I, I agree with everything else you said. I don't buy him on an island by himself and me wanting to watch it. Fair enough. I got two more parts for him. Okay. Uh, I think he could also pulled off Bruce Willis's role in Sixth Sense. Yeah, I, I think most people. I, I think he has the right level of broodiness. And yeah. basically any of the main, main lead astronauts from Apollo 13. Yeah, <laughs> fair. Who are all sort of interchangeable. Right. Which I'm going to not get confused with Armageddon this week. Thank you, everybody. I've been working on this for weeks now. Yeah, yeah. Apollo 13 is where they, uh, they get the, the poorly trained. Yeah, the, the, NASA, the NASA space guys to go drill on the moon yeah. or whatever. Yeah, that yeah one. They, go, uh, they go dig for oil or something. Yep, that one. Gus Grissom on, a, on an oil plant, oil rig in the, in, the, in the Gulf of Mexico. It's great. Yep, that's a great it. movie. All right. Here is a list of roles that Keaton almost had. And when I say almost was either he turned it down or he was the next choice for. So uh, actually he almost was Andrew Beckett in Philadelphia. 
He oh, was almost the lead in Speed. He was almost in Three Men and the Baby. He was almost Chili Palmer and Get Shorty. Oh, I would have Tom loved Hanks that. in Splash. Kevin Costner's role in Field of Dreams. Bill Murray's Jeez. role in Kingpin. Uh, again, Tom Hanks for Big. He was almost the lead in Highlander. He oh was almost the lead in Groundhog Day. Wait, it keeps going. Lethal Weapon. Travolta's part in Pulp Fiction. Oh, Depp's gosh. part in Pirates of the Caribbean. Ugh. Alex Foley in Beverly Hills Cop. Mm-mm. And Tim Allen in The Santa Claus. Uh, that would have been fine. He okay. was up for every, like, up for it at like a serious level, not just in that list of 100 names that, that actors sometimes get into. Right. You just said that was like, how I insane. Mean, co- collectively, that's over a billion dollars in gross revenue in films. <laughs> how insane. And that, this is all, once I read all that, I was like, yeah, I think this is a fair pick. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's a good pick. I like it. So Michael Keaton, I think, is a well-known actor, but I actually think he could pull himself all the way up into more A-list status than he is. Because he's not an A-lister, right? He's, he's well-liked, but I think he could be up there. Okay. I think that's, I think that's fair. The only, my only point with yeah. this is that he was nominated for a Best Leading Actor role. For what? Clean and Sober? No, for Birdman. So I didn't think he qualified. I thought we said winners. Oh, well, all right. <laughs> Whatever. The rules change, dude. Just, I like just, it. No, no, no. Just, I'm totally you know. into it. All right. What's next? Um, okay. I will start uh, with a, a young man who was born on May 25th, 1976 in Douglas Cork County, Ireland. That's actually a pretty good hint. Uh, I will give you Colin first- Farrell. No, he's friends with this just this gentleman though. Why? Because they're Irish. I mean, they do happen to be Irish, but genuinely, oh, they are okay, actually yeah, very yeah, good I guess that would actually make sense. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. <laughs> they actually are friends. <laughs> uh, so this guy did a small cameo of which he was not even really uh, listed, but he did a small cameo in Tron Legacy because he's such a fan of the originals. Go on. Uh, he was, it's hard cause he didn't have a last name, but he was, uh, his name was Jim in a particular movie about sort of, uh, would be a hard one to watch now that came out. Uh, I want to say in the early two thousands, 28 days later, 28 days later, I had some, I can give uh, you, I, is he on a Netflix series? He is. Is it uh, Killian Murphy? It is Killian Murphy. Who was my last person cut from my primary list. Oh, perfect. And it's actually not that anyone would know this, but we just happened to be talking about Peaky Blinders before we started recording. So this was, it made me laugh when like you brought it up and I was thinking to myself, I'm like, I wonder if this came up because he's looking at Killian Murphy's name right now. <laughs> well, what, okay. So the quick story is last night when I was down to seven, I had to make my cuts. And finally I, I pushed Killian Murphy out of it. For not any particular reason, it just... No, sorry. I moved down to five, and then I was watching an episode of Peaky Blinders, and, and it was a particular... I mean, they're all great, but I was watching, I was like, oh my God, Killian Murphy. He's... He, like, if you know movies, you know him, but if you don't, he's just some guy who shows up a lot with really beautiful blue eyes. So, good choice, sir. I want to hear what you want to do with him, yeah. I'm going to, right? So, Transcendence, Broken, and Red Eye are three movies he was in that I don't think he gets credit for, even though not any one of those three was brilliant. He was good in all of them. Uh, so Batman Begins and the whole Batman franchise as the Scarecrow, 
Like it's a bit part in the grand scheme of things, but it's a meaningful part and he nails it. He's so, so good in it. Um, I think his portrayal in Inception of fearful, skittish, meek, and leadable is what made Inception work, even though there are kind of some weird things in the movie itself, although both of us we've talked about before, we we like it. I thought he was really good in that. And then obviously just Peaky Blinders. Like if you talk about range, bro, like this dude and what he's done with Thomas Shelby in comparison to every other role I just said, and even the the range that he shows in Thomas Shelby himself, right? He's good and he's bad. He's terrifying and he's weak. He's calculated, but he's unhinged. Like that's a really, really well done role. So I'm playing a little game called Imagine If. And so I wanted to imagine some of these guys in different roles. And for him... Uh, the first one that I thought would be interesting, and this is not uh, a vindic- like any assault on Andrew Garfield, who I actually like a lot and almost made my list, uh, but Hacksaw Ridge I thought would have been really interesting with Thomas with with Thomas Shelby. That's how good Thomas Shelby is uh, with Killian Murphy. Uh, then another thing I thought would be interesting. This is kind of throwing it back. He would have been a little too young, but just because of the vulnerability of the role, even though I didn't necessarily love the entirety of the movie. I thought it was beautifully done like visually because Ang Lee is amazing. But uh, Jake Gyllenhaal's part in Brokeback Mountain, I thought would be like a a different departure for him, but also kind of had to have that conflicted, didn't know how, you know what I mean? Like living two different lives in the same body, I thought was interesting. The biggest one that I don't know if I even mean, but I'm interested to hear your reaction is I think he would have been a, an interesting choice for Joker. Oh, for sure. I think he could. I, it wouldn't have been that Joker. Right. It wouldn't have been Joaquin Phoenix, but I think in general, he has that sort of like something about him. Could, yeah. Could make your skin crawl a little bit. And I, mm-hmm. I think I would totally buy him in that. Yeah. So he was in my Pong list in the movie. I, I agree with you. In the movie, I had him, I had him pegged for that I thought would have been a potential breakout would have been Imitation Game. Oh, I yeah, think, that's also a good one. I think that's one he could have pulled off really nicely. Oh, man, that's actually a really good one. Yeah, I like that. Good choice. I love it. <laughs> love the Killian, plus the name. It's a good name. You never even know if you're supposed to say Cillian until you go double, double, triple check. That's you right. don't, by the way. That's Killian. <laughs> All right, so let's go July 9th, 1955, a hot summer day in Brooklyn, this man was born. Okay. His first role is in one of my favorite movies. Uh, I will name just the character to start. Uh, it's Julio Gonzalez. Okay. I got nothing. Am I supposed to na- tell you the movie or not? You can if you want. We'll skip it for now. The next a character I think that he became most well-known for for many, many people younger than you would be a Victor Cifuentes. Which might have hit your TV land era of stuff. I'm not sure. I don't think so. As a fun fact, he has a Puerto Rican mother and a Surinamese father of Dutch descent. And he's six foot three, which is very rare in Hollywood. Yeah, that is weird. So the character Julio Gonzalez was in a movie called Running Scared, mid 80s Billy Crystal. Uh, I I think I've seen, I think I do. I do think I've seen that, but I think I saw it like with my mom when I was a kid. So it's not like ringing a bell. It's rewatchable. And Victor Fuentes was on L.A. Law. Oh, and what's crazy is he sort of has come back, much like Keaton, in the 2000s. 
And the giveaway roll would be a uh, one Bale Organa. That's not giving it away. I was going to say Lou Diamond Phillips, but that's not right. Jimmy Smith. Jimmy Smith. Oh, you should have gone president from from the West Wing. <laughs> that would have gotten it. Oh, he, that's right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I forgot Season six and seven, he took over for, uh, you know, the only president that I want right now. But anyway. <laughs> so I'm going to use three movies to make my case. Uh, three performances. One is uh, L.A. Law. Yeah. Uh, where he was a pretty dramatic, serious guy. The next I'm going to do is on NYPD Blue, where he was again like the heavy, dramatic, serious guy. So that's the one that I I don't wouldn't have known his name. My mom loved that show, and so like I totally have memories of that being on, and that's how I was introduced to Jimmy Smith as a character. So LA Law didn't happen for me, but NYPD Blue did so much so that I was going to ask you if he was in NYPD Blue or if I was just getting those confused. Wow, nice. And then finally, just a, a series of, of different ranged stuff. Uh, everything from position parts in Dexter to Bail Organa, just showing him as I think a, a, a broader actor. Uh, and he was really fun in Brooklyn Nine-Nine if you uh, are a fan of uh, What's Her Name's Dad. So imagine if Chili Palmer. Absolutely, I can see that. Right? Or actually, since they're almost the exact same age as I research found, every part Travolta's ever had. Yes. Yup. Trade him out. <laughs> that, was, that, was, that was like my cheap, uh, I knew I'd get you with that. <laughs> but a couple of more serious parts for him that I think, again, could have helped break him out further. Imagine him in Denzel Washington's part in Inside Man. Interesting. First of all, I love that movie. Same. Interesting. I could see that. Yeah, I could see it. I think he could have done either Denzel or Hanks's part in Philadelphia. Hmm. I'll give you Denzel. I don't know if I see Hanks, but that might be a physical thing just because of how big he is. And that's that was part of the role. But fair enough. <laughs> uh, and then I think he could have taken Sean Penn's role in Dead Man Walking. Yep, that I see immediately. I had a couple others in the list, but I'm going to stop with those. I like Jimmy Smith a lot. That's a good one. He was not on my radar and he probably should have been. I really liked him. I, oh, I still like him. Uh, yeah, that's a great, that's great. He also, he did Broadway for a while too. He's like a really good actor. He did. And, yeah. and this is, this is, I would argue that because of timing, Jimmy Smith's career, I don't know about Lou Diamond Phillips, but I would say Jimmy Smith's career probably would have gone much deeper. In, and I am just going to be blunt about this. Had he been born a white guy? Like, I just think his era of when he was born put him instantly into these typecast roles, right? He was sort of the non-white guy in L.A. Law, the non uh, the non Martin Sheen in West Wing. You know, I think I think uh, I think that timing and that ethnicity, ethnicity, unfortunately, was a setback. Him today would be just flying high on any role he wanted is, is my argument. Yeah, I, I think unfortunately, I think you're totally right. All right, what you got? Okay, let's go with February 25th, 1966. Born in oh. New York City, New York. JT, you don't know people born in the 60s. What are you doing here? <laughs> He's a New Yorker, huh? Uh, right. She is a New oh, Yorker. Oh, she's a New Yorker. Okay, go on. Uh, she was married to another famous actor, and their relationship was out of this world. 
<laughs> There's a hint in there, but I'm going to continue. Continue, please. Uh, I will give you one of my favorite roles that she played, and also was kind of a breakout for her. She was Julie Mott. Oof, this is now now we're into somewhere in the banks of my memory are are happening okay. here. Keep going. So I'll give you I'll give you a little bit of the movie, right? So Julie Mott was a friend of one of a police officer's friends and gets entangled in the police officer's world and winds up being a witness to a crime. And then two, one absolute superstar now and one not so superstar, but they have since subsequently made three more versions of this movie. There are three sequels to this. Uh, it's not Sharknado because no, there's like six of those. There's a lot of those. No. So the movie is bad boys. Oh, and do you know okay. who I'm talking about yet or no? I don't. Taya Leone. Ah, all right. So she was, so here's, let, let me explain why. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I, I kind of want to hear why, because I'm going to go on opening without hearing you yet, but I'm going to disagree with everything you're about to say, but I want to hear, but I want to hear you out. All right, so she only has 27 total <laughs> acting credits, which considering how long she's been around is, is not very many. Bad Boys is just highly nostalgic for me. Um, but she actually, I did think she was really good in that role. Like she kind of needed to be like the helpless whatever. Um, she was in You Kill Me with Ben Kingsley, which actually is a better version of the whole nine yards and then the whole 10 yards, which was Bruce Willis and Chandler, whatever his name is, if I always forget. Uh, but realistically, that's actually a very funny movie. She was in Family Man with Nick Cage, which always makes me laugh. She's been in Madam Secretary for a long time. But the role I actually want to point out, and it's I'm surprised I haven't talked about it before. I'm not going to go deep on the particular movie, but is Spanglish. <laughs> okay. Okay. In that particular movie, which I happen to think is a highly underrated film in general, because it kind of gets just brushed off as like an Adam Sandler thing. But if you actually watch that, I actually think it's really, really well done. Cloris Leachman particularly. No, I've seen it. It's a, it's a, I agree. It's, it's, uh, it's in that shouldn't be typecast by, by Sandler category for sure. Yeah. Her in that, in that particular role, like the, the amount of vulnerability and availability and hurt and scared and stoic and nervous and sort of out of sync she was superb. Like she was just totally superb in that role. And I think it showed a level of depth that, I don't know, it gives me, it gave a real insight into like her ability to do more than just like the kind of quirky mom or whatever, uh, because of how serious that role really needed her to be. Uh, and then also, you know, the work she's done in Madam Secretary, I think is like, is really good. So if we're going to do an imagine if, because she also is like, she has a ton of physicality. She's very like, she's like, you know, like she's a tough woman. Um, I think she could have done like a zero dark 30 with Jessica Chastain. Wow. Um, okay. Uh, okay. Go on. I'll, I'll also think. I think that's stay. a, I, th I think you picked, I think that's a very good pick because it's, it, it, it she probably could have pulled that one off. I, I think, yeah. I think that's fair, but, but I, okay, go on. So the, the only other one that I want to hear your rebuttal, I'll give you one more instead of going through them. Um, I also think, and this one I think is going to be the opposite of what you just said. Uh, I would have been interested to see her in Million Dollar Baby, where, which was Hillary Swank originally. Interesting. By the way, I have that role in several of my other picks as well. So it's a good choice. <laughs> I would say, 
No. Okay. <laughs> uh, no, I, look, we're just having some fun here. But I think I, I think her biggest challenge, to be candid, I think the hard, the thing that goes against that, that she has the biggest uphill battle with is the sound of her voice. I think it is a limiting factor. I don't think she has much range with it. I think she, she sounds like herself all the time. I don't know how to take her super seriously because she sort of sounds like she's whining to me. Does that make sense as a statement? Interesting. I, it does. I don't, I, I don't agree because I actually think that she's like more known for like that deep rasp voice so that when she does do the high inflections, I actually think it's right that when her tonality changes like that, I actually think it's a huge advantage to her because she does have such a sort of monotone, deeper voice for someone who like kind of looks like she does. So I actually think it could be a strength. I don't necessarily know that she's leaned into that strength, but I, I hear what you're saying now for sure. No, but I, I, no, you're right. She's got that normal, like um, husky, like a like a like I just had a sore throat kind of voice. Or she's in like super whiny mode, and that that's yeah. kind of my challenge with seeing her take that's on. That's fair. Um, and for whatever reason, I don't know what it is. She just sort of hit my uh, actress that annoys me for for no good reason. Um, and I, you know, it's funny because while you brought her up, I went looking at at her at her roles. And the truth is, I think I've only seen her in like, th- I, I saw Spanglish. I unfortunately saw Jurassic Park 3. Real bad. Um, I don't, th- and I saw Bad Boys, of course. I didn't even know she was in League of Their Own. That's kind of neat. Um, yeah. She was also like, know. did you see Tower Heist? No. So Tower House is like a totally fun Sam movie. Like you should totally watch that with the kids because it's just like a goofy movie. It's also like Eddie Murphy coming back. But she played like kind of a, you know, she was like a cop and she was like kind of a good, bad cop. Like it was actually kind of a fun thing, I thought. All right. Well, uh, hmm, hmm. I think it's an interesting choice. I like where you went with it. Right. And uh, she's a New Yorker. Huh. Didn't know that. Love New Yorkers. All right, sir. I will move on. And the next in my order, which again, chronologically, funny enough, it's my final male lead and moving on to female leads after this one. So October 3rd, 1964, in, I hope I get this correct, Carisley, which is in Coventry, which is in Warwickshire, which is in England. One okay. of those is like a town. I think that's like a town. I don't know. It's a hamlet. Sure. I don't know exactly what they are. Sure. His, his, his career has been marked by the very interesting... Um, Parallel, semi-parallel runs to Mr. Daniel Craig. And in the 2005 poll was actually voted the top choice to play James Bond in Casino Royale. Interesting. English, not Daniel Craig, but could have been James Bond. I'm not happy. Okay, keep going. And I'll tell you in a moment, a role he got over Daniel Craig, but we'll do that after the, the big reveal because it's a, it's a giveaway. His first ever performance was a character named Jake in a movie named Vroom, spelled V-R-O-O-M, in 1988, which neither of us have ever heard of. And from five seconds of research, there's reasons for that. But his best, uh, his, what I would argue is his first legit film that he became known for. His character name was Jake, sorry, Jack Manfred. And the movie is called Croupier, which you may or may not have heard of. But if you no, haven't, have. it was definitely your wheelhouse. Okay. 
And then the last role was a character named Delton Russell in the movie we talked about in the past five minutes. It shows you how much we don't know. In fact, I would argue the movie he, that, that I'm talking about, none of us, neither of us can name a single character name, but can name every person in the movie. It co-started with Jodie Foster, Denzel, directed by oh. Spike Lee. No, I'm still, for some reason, I'm like literally just completely blacked out right now. Uh, he likes BMWs, apparently. Because he likes to drive them. He's also played the character named nothing more than The Professor. And he's King Arthur. No, nothing. Uh, no, I mean, I like, like King Arthur, Charlie Hunnam. Now I'm thinking, which is not who you're talking about. And then Spike Lee, I'm thinking of like all of his movies, apparently other than the one what, Hurricane. Like, is like we didn't talk about Hurricane, though. No. BMW. What, fi- we- the, what about the BMW driving thing? That's not enough. I mean, no, I'm thinking about, no, it's not apparently. What do you think about? I was thinking about Snatch, but then I'm like, that's not really what's in that. And that's a guy Richie. Oh, no, no. Oh, maybe you did, you know, our our internet timing is a little different. Although I think you've probably seen these. He did a series of short films for BMW. They were all like car chase movies, micro movies. Yeah, Guy Ritchie directed all of them. Starring? I can't remember. (laughs) Clive, Clive Owen. Oh, Clive. Oh, I love Clive Owen. I figured you would because he was. Oh, Inside, Inside Man, Man is what you were talking about. Wait a minute. Did Spike Lee direct Inside Man? Yeah. Did I just blow your mind? Dude, Jeremy, today I learned. Wait, what? I honestly don't think I knew that was a Spike Lee joint. Oh, it's a Spike Lee joint. I, I think had it was no the, idea. I think it was his first movie that where, where you see it, you're like, wait, that was a Spike Lee movie because it was so. Not his signature movie making style. Yeah, no, it didn't. It just doesn't read Spike Lee to me at all. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Listen, I adore Clive Owen and I'm immediately sad I don't have him on my list. Please go on. Sure. So he got the King Arthur. So Daniel Craig was supposed to get King Arthur and he got King Arthur and there was a chance for him to get uh, James Bond. Daniel Craig got James Bond. No kidding. Thought that was kind of neat. So I'll make the, my, my case for him in a nutshell is between his role in Children of Men uh, his small part as the professor in Born Identity and the Inside Man, I'd argue this guy, like we all sort of know him, movie people know him, everybody sort of recognizes him, but he should, I don't see why he not at A-lister level. And so I will do my imagine if as simple as following almost every Tom Cruise role. I could see... Yeah. Not the ones where you needed Tom Cruise at like his like super charming, like smarmy charming kind of thing that he does. Um, probably not The Last Samurai because that also shouldn't have been Tom Cruise. Uh, but oh, definitely, <laughs> definitely War of the Worlds. And I think I'd also make a good case for him in Edge of Tomorrow, yep. which is Agreed. one of my favorite Tom Cruise movies, by the way. Actually, one of my yep. favorite action movies of the last 20 years. Uh, wow. Oh, I yeah, it's it's solid. Edge of Tomorrow is a solid movie. Uh, totally underrated movie. I don't disagree with that. Uh, so yeah, Clive Owen. So that's my imagine if War of the Worlds would probably be the one that I think if he had had that part would have blown him up into some huge uh, stratosphere. So the only thing I'm going to weigh in on is you are missing what I think is his most pivotal performance. That to me solidified him as like a next level, this guy can do no wrong actor which was his role in Closer. I don't think I saw that. 
Oh, Jeremy, it's on your list right now. Oh, yeah, I saw that. There, That's uh, Julia Roberts. Him, Julia Roberts, Natalie Portman, and um, the uh, why can't I think of his name right now? Jude Law. Jude Law. And so the amazing part about this, side note, random trivia about Clive Owen, is that when he did the theater production of Closer, because it's very dialogue-driven script, whatever, him and Jude Law actually switched characters. And so he had been doing the theater production and was not playing the role he played in the film and then played the role in the film. And it is the single most impressive performance in that movie in a film riddled with amazing performances. He is so underrated and I am so sad I don't have him, but I'm so happy that you do. And I could not agree with anything that you say about him more. He's, he's wonderful. I love him. Have you seen, thank you. Do you know he's playing Bill Clinton? I did. Yeah, I saw that. I want to see that. That could be interesting. He's great. I like him so much. He's wonderful. We neither of us. We must have both missed his, his performance in Gemini Man. Oh, must have. Oh, must have. <laughs> that, so that was one of those. That preview was like the instant. Oh, this is not going to go well. Kind of movie. Yeah. All right, back to our list, sir. What you got next? Okay, November eleventh, nineteen sixty, from Peekskill, New York. That's that's near where I live. I know it is. He famously met his second wife on the set of a film who was the sister of a very famous actor. That very famous actor is married to another very famous actor. I'm sorry. We're I'm, I'm in famous actor marriage <laughs> heaven here. Wait, which who's wait, who what when who's married to the who this actor, this male actor. Okay. Met his now wife on set with one of his co-stars. Okay. And it's his co-star's sister. His co-star is also married to another very famous actor. So now, again, think Uh, about like famous celebrity couples that have a, it's kind of a, it's a well-known Hollywood trope, this one. Uh, I will give you his first, so it's tough because he has a tremendous amount of acting credits. This guy is a career actor. Uh, but the first like sort of like real standout performance, his character's name was Kamel in a movie with someone who starred in the movie we were just talking one of the movies we were just talking about, where I just learned something about that the movie. Kamel? Yep. That's not that's not to be confused with Kal-El. No. He's not not Superman. He's not Superman. <laughs> so the movie was Pelican Brief. Oh, uh, Denzel. Wait, what? So Denzel's in the movie, but obviously he's not underrated. He might still, he's so good. He might actually be underrated, but that's not the point. I don't think he's underrated. (laughs) I think when you got a guy who's in the routine top actors of our times list. I know. I was joking. But he might actually still be a little underrated. How, by the way, how great would it be to see Denzel just do a straight up comedy? Like just, I would love it. No seriousness at all. All right. Uh, gosh, Julia Robert, uh, you're going to have to go. Keep going. Okay. I'll give you a, a bunch of other movies that he's been a supporting actor in. Cause okay. you're going to get this one. Cause he's like a, you're, you're a movie guy. This is a movie yeah, guy yeah. movie. Uh, he was in the terminal with Tom Hanks. Uh, um, he was in easy a, which we just recently referenced. It's not like Tony Shalhoub. No, but you're not like, I really, it's the other one. It's the other, the one. other one. Stanley Tucci? 
Stanley Tucci. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, they were both in a movie called Big Night, which I've referenced once before. Yeah. Like them both a lot. And for some reason, they to me, it's as if they're like a Matt Damon, Ben Affleck combo for no good reason. That's totally fair. Stanley Tucci is great. I love that guy. Yeah, so Stanley Tucci has 134 acting credits, so he has some horrible movies in that list, to be fair. To be fair. Um, but he's an animal. Like, this guy's an animal. Like, he was so good in The Terminal, which I, is actually, it's a really sweet film with, with uh, Tom Hanks, and I actually really liked his role in this. Uh, Spotlight he was in, which I've referenced before, a very tough movie, but he was great in it. Uh, Easy A, he was great in it as the dad. Julian Julia, which is not a great particular movie, but his role in it I thought was really sweet and endearing. He brought a really important role in The Hunger Games. He brought like a very small part into a very big part in that movie because of how good and over the top he was. And that particular character played a big role in the books. And I thought he did it justice considering how little screen time he had. And then were, lastly... Were, were there important it, roles in The Hunger Games? I actually... You know what? I will defend that book to the death. Um, right. And speaking of defending something I probably shouldn't, I love Devil Wears Prada. I love that movie. It's a, it's a, I absolutely it, love that movie. You should. It's a super good guilty pleasure kind of movie. No, no problems with that. No problem. It is a Shawshankable guilty pleasure movie as far as I'm concerned. Um, but he is so good in that. And it's like a really, it's a really interesting role. My overall point with him though, is like, he's always, he's always a bridesmaid. And I don't know if that's because he doesn't have the chops or if it's because I think the roles that he could play are always better suited for someone who's already an A-list celebrity. So here's here's a quick list of a couple of them. I think he would have been able to pull off Phantom Thread brilliantly, probably not as good as Daniel Day-Lewis. I think he could have done Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. I don't know if he could have done it nearly as good as Gary did. I think he could have been an interesting choice for Capote. I don't think he could have held a candle to Philip Seymour Hoffman. I, I'm so far I'm agreeing with all of these roles. I kind of want to push you a harder on what's the one that that gets him to like stardom because I think like Tinker Taylor's Soldier Spy, it's good, but it's it's not like you compare that to like Born Identity and Born Identity instantly turned Matt Damon from up and coming to like a plus list. You hear what I'm saying? Like I'm not disagreeing. No, I hear you. I just think that there's also like, I also think as an actor, you have to know what your limits are. And like, this guy's not going to be in a blockbuster. It's just like, it's not in his, it's not in his physicality to be something like that. Like Phantom Thread was a Oscar darling, right? For good reason, as is everything Daniel Day-Lewis touches. But like that movie was brilliant. And if he could have lended, if he lent a performance even remotely close to Daniel Day-Lewis, which I think he's capable of, I think that would have been like, he would have been an Oscar darling. He would have been like a Daniel Day-Lewis type object where it's just like, oh my gosh, this dude can just act beyond act, but he's never going to do like a Jack Reacher and like blow the box office out. Like it's right. just not something he's capable of. Right. He's Dan- Daniel Day-Lewis in, uh, in, Shadow- in, in, in Pen and Thread, not in uh, Last of the Mohicans. Right. Exactly. I want to I see the deep fake of Stanley Tucci <laughs> as the last of the Mohican, whatever that character's actual name is. Yeah. Uh, so the one fun subplot that I want to say is I there's a there's a a fun little thing that I almost did but I'm not obviously going to, which is like this is a whole family of underrated. So he's married to just in case you didn't know this, he's married to Emily Blunt's sister. Oh. And so I think there's an argument to be Emily Blunt, who's married to John Krasinski. John Krasinski. There's an argument to be made that both of them, although Emily Blunt, I think, is very much meteoric, rising into the realm of. She's an actor, actor, and Krasinski has done some incredible stuff. 
Both of them, I think, in their own right, are on the rise up of no longer being underrated. They're getting appropriately rated, but for a while were like the fun, whatever actors. And now people are kind of like, oh no, both of them can like really act. <laughs> like really, really act. Nice. So yeah, it's a whole whole family dinner of all of you probably deserve more credit. And only probably two of you are gonna get it, because I think Stanley Tucci's past his prime. <laughs> I, I do I, I like him quite a bit, actually. He's a, he's another one of those. He's one of those actors, especially when he plays the nice guy, you just sort of like to see him. I don't know how that, that sounds yeah. right. Yeah. Listen, there's one or two moments of him as a dad in Easy A that I think stay with me as a father. And mm. he was only in that movie for like six total minutes, right? But like he just has a very genuine, honest, like he just feels real. And even when he's super over the top characters like he was in Hunger Games, it felt authentic and genuine, which I think is like, to me, is sort of like, that's the linchpin of great acting. Like if you can take something absurd and make it feel real, you're killing it. And I just like, I've even the movies he's in, like he listened that this guy's in a Pauly Shore movie. He's made some mistakes, but like there's, there's a lot of, there's so much good in that list of 134 roles. I, I have no problem with people. I, I like every major celebrities have have some movies that they probably shouldn't have done right so i don't have a problem with that i'm just i'm i'm trying to i'm trying to put in my head is like they're that role like um daniel day lewis a a, a, doesn't have to be a blockbuster but is there some is there one of those where putting him in the lead and, and you see him winning that best actor like i'll go back to again maybe the imitation game or or those style of movies where you could almost swap out any strong actor for the male lead, if that makes sense. Yep. Um, I like this pick. I have to think about how big he could be, but I like him. Okay. All right. I'll take it. I'll take it. I like him. Well, I do like him. And I, again, he's in that, that sweet sweet spot because of Big Night. One of, right. Such a lovely movie. All right. Well, I'm going to continue on into 1967, November 16th to be specific. Born in San Francisco, California. Okay. Go on. Which is interesting. There's actually not a lot of... Uh, I went looking. There's, there's not a ton of people from San Francisco in the, uh, in the Hollywood. There's not. This is a tough one because I think most of the performances end up sort of giveaways. So I'll do my best. Uh, here, I'm going to start with a bit of weird trivia. She married a musician, had a daughter. That daughter is now also an actress. Married a musician, had a daughter, and the daughter is now an actress. Okay. She, oh my. Yeah, I'm looking, I have no, each time I tried to figure out how I would give you the trivia, it kind of fell flat flat on my face. So I'm pretty sure you're just going to get it with, with any of the next few things. We'll see where we go. She played a Marie DeSalle in a movie I know you like. Okay. This was my, that was my only, maybe he won't know this one. I don't know if I know that. Uh, you definitely know the movie. Her first major film role was a movie called Angel Heart. But okay. by this time, she was a super well-established TV actor. And in many ways, the role in Angel Heart impacted the, her career and is why she's on this list in some ways. As well as the very messy divorce with previously said, uh, said musician. 
It's funny because I'm leaning into the musician thing because aside from the fact that I have a tremendous amount of nerves every time we have to play any of these games because I feel like I'm not going to get them. The music thing, I'm like, oh, okay, just think about musicians. So now I'm trying to think, is this like, this is like early 90s musician? Uh, Yeah, but to this day. Okay, keep going. Uh, And the daughter, this is the giveaway, the daughter plays a role in a TV series based on the same movie the mother was in, in a different role. We've talked about it before, actually. That's, I thought this might just be an instant giveaway. No? No, it might not be. So the daughter plays a role. In the TV the- series, which is on now, based on the, the same, well, it's all based on oh, the movie. Oh, 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 oh. God. You got yeah. it. Lisa Benet. That's right. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm going to say that. So I did some research because while I was looking at lists, I was like, I, I decided to go back in different eras. And I don't know what I clicked on, whatever Lisa's been. I was like, wait a sec. What did happen to her career? Because let me tell you, late 80s, she was everything like the Cosby show and, um, and uh, Different World, which she was on both. She yep. owned the screen. Uh, beautiful actress talented actress and she did this movie angel heart which is you know rated r and she showed out everything off and had a pretty uh, risque part then she married uh kravitz they had yep. the kid they had a very messy divorce uh i think she had a bit of a drug problem and basically she disappeared into the 90s and yep. then all of a sudden shows up out of nowhere in enemy of the state in a, in a fairly small role and then plays marie de salle in high fidelity doesn't really do much for a few years after that. In fact, not till the last like five years that she really start coming back. But I'm going to argue that that performance is Marie DeSalle put her back on the radar. And had it not been for the drugs and whatever else went on with her, here, here are the parts I could see a little imagine if. I think she could have been Clarice Starling in Silence of the Lambs. She's almost like- the exact same age as Jodie Foster, by the way. I like that one a lot. That's right? really good. I think like that's a, I could yeah. easily see that. I think, uh, and I, I could almost say all of Julianne Moore's performances, but in particular, Big Lebowski. I Love think, it. I think Lisa Bonet has just enough of that same kind of wackiness that she could have pulled that one off pretty nicely. And here's one more. And I think I'm going to save this last one for now. Yeah. No, I'll do these two. Mia in Pulp Fiction. That was uh, Uma Thurman's part. Yep, Mia Wallace. And then the one that, if I would have said, would have made her full-on A-lister, and it will be hard to picture it, but I argue she could have pulled it off, is Carrie Ann Moss's part in The Matrix. Oh, boy. Uh, It's hard to picture it. It's not, hard, not, right? Not that I don't think 100% that it could have worked. I 100% think it could have worked, but it's hard to picture it just because of that's such a very specific thing. Right. She's, that's her. Like, in so many ways, Trinity is Carrie Ann Moss. It's Trinity. I, I couldn't tell you a single other thing that she's done. I know she's worked, but I couldn't tell you. Right. She's Trinity. But, that, but, but that's not, let, let's just argue, it's sort of like Kate Hudson in Almost Famous, right? Um, right. But I think, again, like in the, in the universe of, I think the I think the Matrix would have held up equally with Lisa Bonet. It's hard to picture what that movie is. Uh, yeah. So, 
Those are five it. movies, I think, all of which put her straight up A-lister, and 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 then her career could have been all of these movies. In fact, like there's, she could have done a lot of these roles. And I went looking actually, her anytime Julianne Moore had a role, I think I put in Lisa Bonet. I was like, yeah, that works too. Um, yeah. But in Big Lebowski in particular, I just think that would have been amazing. Yeah, I like it. I like it a lot. I like her a lot too. She also had a, she, uh, one of the very few sitcom, no, it's not sitcom. One of the very few scripted series that I've ever actually like bothered to watch, but Ray Donovan, she did like a four or five episode stint on Ray Donovan and she was so good in Ray Donovan. It's funny you say that. Cause I saw that when I was researching her and it's in my, it's in my list of shows like that. The one day I'm going to go subscribe to whatever service it's on this month and, uh, and binge through the whole thing. Cause I've heard such good things about Ray Donovan. It's, I mean, for me, it is literally in the West Wing newsroom. Apparently I like Aaron Sorkin, uh, like <laughs> Sopranos, like it's right in that. It's that kind of, I, I need to, I, I want to watch it. It's that good. Nice. Uh, okay. So I'm going to go in a different order now because of something that you just said. So March 10th, 1984 from New York City, New York. 1984. Okay. Yep. So she is best friends with Patrick Fugit, who's from? Almost Famous. Almost Famous. They're like best buddies. Huh. It's not Kate Hudson. It's not Kate Hudson. Uh, Another piece of trivia that might give it away. She is married to uh, SNL alum. Well... It's not, is it Zoe Deschanel? No, it's not. She is not married. She's she's oh. with the Property Brothers or whatever now. <laughs> not both of them. No, no I was just going to say, because I, I think, I, 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 yeah, uh, not Zoe. Okay. Uh, go on. Her big breakout role was a TV role. She was Alex Kelly in the OC. Never watched it. Go on. Okay, I'll give you another TV <laughs> role, which is where I felt, first fell in love with her. She was 13 on House. Oh, I don't know her name, but I know who you're talking about. Olivia Wilde. Olivia Wilde. Thank you. Yeah. So married to Jason Sudeikis. They have two of the cutest children on the internet. No joke. I'm I'm sure they do. It's out of this world how cute Otis is, which is her older son. Uh, So she's in a Drake video, which makes me laugh. Like she's got a little bit of swagger to her, which I really like. Um, So she was in house and she was really good in house. House is absolutely it's like a really great show and she nailed that show every single, every single week. She was great. She was in a really bad movie called alpha dog. That was actually, she was very good in. Um, I thought she was good in Tron, like actiony. I was like, okay, like I buy you. Like I didn't buy the movie as a whole, but I was like, yeah, you're not my problem with it for the most part. Okay. Uh, she has really, really good comedy chops. She was great in the change up, which is like a totally fun Thursday night rom-com sort of deal. Uh, she was in another bad movie, Good Performance, with In Time, which is basically uh, like a really bad an, another Justin Timberlake, another Justin Timberlake movie that she was in that was bad. Can, by the way, can we get Justin Timberlake into some good movies? Because I actually think he'd hold up. Yeah, I, I really think he he would. Like he's he did Friends with Benefits, which I didn't watch the whole thing, but have seen minutes of and went Ugh, no, thank you. Uh, <laughs> that movie was pretty bad. Uh, Alpha Dog tried too hard to be a better movie than it was. If it just if it just was what it was, it actually would have been pretty watchable. Uh, and then lastly, I've mentioned this on the cast before. She was in a movie called Drinking Buddies. And Drinking Buddies is like a very sort of like, 
very flatline comedy where it's not no big hits, no whatever. It's very much like just like a real life movie. And it's her and um, Jack. I can't think of his last name from he's Nick from New Girl. Jack. John, nope. Jack Johnson's a singer. Uh, whatever that guy's name Jake is. Johnson. Jake Johnson. That's right. He's first of all, hysterical. Second of all, it's a very not funny movie, like not funny, funny movie. Like it's dark and kind of broody and whatever, but it's a really, really good performance. It's tough because she like has the Hollywood look, which which makes her interchangeable with a lot of people. Right. But it's her substance that I actually think is more interesting because she can really play real. Like she plays real well. I think there's a lot of Jennifer Lawrence stuff she could probably substitute in for. I think she would have been interesting in Joy. I think she probably could have done Silver Linings Playbook. Um, funny enough, I don't think she could have done Jay Law's part in American Hustle, but I think she could have done Amy Adams, which okay. is kind of a weird juxtaposition. Uh, and also, like she could do, I think some of the biopic stuff that you know not doesn't go to comedic actors ever. But um, like you know, Natalie Portman was was Jackie. I think she totally could have done Jackie, and I think she would have done it really, really well because she has a very like sort of sincere, genuine quality about her, and I think she can really act. Um, she also, just as a quick side note, she directed Booksmart, which came out last year, which was super clever and very well done. It has like an 84 on Metacritic. Like she's like a movie person, which makes me like her. Fair enough. Uh, and a quick looking up, she's the same age as uh, ScarJo. Yep. Do you think she could have pulled off uh, a little Natasha Romanoff? So that's a really good question. Actually... She, yeah, maybe. I don't think she would have done it as good as Scarlett Johansson did, but I think she could do it. But interestingly enough, you know what? I totally could see her in Lost in Translation, which would have been a great comp. Totally could see her in that. Actually, it's funny. I think I could see the opposite. I think I could easy, more easily see her as uh, as Black Widow. Oh, that's I funny. think she could have pulled okay. it off. I think she has the same charm and sarcasm. Uh, I I would give her a shot. Yeah, I give her I give her a table read. Okay, you know what they do? I like it. Table that's read. That's what they do. That's what I they think. do. You sounded really knowledgeable just then. So. Uh, all right. My last entry. We're now up to October 30th, 1970. And Brooklyn, okay. New York. Well, love love Brooklyn. Keep going. So, again, one of these, I've got to figure out how to not just give the whole darn thing away. The She directed a music video for Ashanti. No. Okay. Not going to do it right there. Uh, she's. <laughs> oh boy. She's probably best ish known for her role in a Martin Lawrence movie, which is just sad to say, like from a, from a popularity perspective, not like performance for. Huh. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the second Martin Lawrence movie we referenced today. Cause we talked about bad boys earlier. <laughs> Yeah, this isn't what. No, this this isn't. This is no bad boys. Wait, it's not this. And this is. A, I feel okay. So it's not bad boys. So she's not in a Martin Lawrence movie. Okay, because so I was just going to say Gabrielle Union, which would have tracked with the other two things you just said, but it's not her. Correct. Uh, Though okay. she's on my pong list. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, she was mostly discovered for a part named Brandy in Boys in the Hood. It was a small part. Okay, definitely have seen that movie more than once, but not ringing a bell. She then went on to play Debbie in Friday. Debbie oh, Neil Long? Yes, Neil Long. Yeah, Neil Long. I love Neil Long. I okay. do too. And uh, by the way, she was a Girl Scout. Do you know that? 
I didn't. That's great. Yeah, she's a Girl Scout. So I'll keep this one fairly quick. But uh, my case in points for her would be a combination of her role in Boiler Room and her performance in House of Lies, which I thought she was phenomenal in. Uh, I think she has the comic chops, the serious chops, the intensity of, of a leading lady. And so imagine if, <laughs> here's some fun ones, the part of uh, Uma Thurman played in Gattaca. Dig it. And, and by the way, I also think she, and I don't mean to go this way, but we know how Hollywood works. She has the absolute beauty of being a leading lady, right? Like, yeah. and, and, I, and unfortunately, that is how Hollywood works. So we're going to have to take it into account. Uh, so I think she could hold, I think she could have held her own next to, uh, what was it, Ethan Hawke? Um, yep. Maybe a little pushier on the topic. Uh could she have taken Gwyneth Paltrow's role in Shakespeare in Love? Interesting. I like that idea. Could she have taken Hilary Swank's role in Million Dollar Baby? I actually think she's probably too attractive for that role because that role is meant. But then again, if you look at Charlize Theron's transformation in Monster, I'll in bet Monster. they could like they could have done some stuff with this. Yeah. Here's one that I like for a movie I know we both enjoy quite a bit. What about her in Nicole Kidman's role in Milan Rouge? She can have it. She'd be day. a great Satine. I don't know if she could sing. Uh, but so, neither can Nicole Kidman. Didn't stop her. That's fine. Exactly. And the one <laughs> that I really, though, that I, that I would love to see her is I think she would have been amazing in uh, Renee Zellweger's part for Jerry Maguire. Oh, I love that pick, Jeremy. I love that pick. Yeah. Because you have to know, I don't like Renee Zellweger most of the time. Uh, I respect her as a, as an actress, but I just doesn't resonate for me. But I actually, I then went through all of Zellweger's roles. I think she could have done uh, Chicago. I think she could have done just about any of them, but the one in Maguire, I think again, to the case of propels her into the A-list status. And uh, I think could have held her own against uh, with, with Tom Cruise there. Yeah. I love it. By the way, it's worth acknowledging at this point, because I've been meaning to say this and I had this in my notes here. While doing this research, I'm going to say that the late 90s and early 2000s were not a great time for leading women at all. Like Hollywood treated them so interchangeably and it's just like, oh, here's our list of 100. We'll just pick one that we probably don't have to pay as much is my cynical view on what most uh, casting directors were probably doing. But it's so patently obvious when you actually look at a lot of those roles and you go look at some of the A-listers and the best picture winners and all that kind of stuff. It's sad. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. We actually were kind of like remarking on this before we started where it's like when you really go through the Academy Awards, it's like there really was a very, there was just not a lot of parts to choose from. And the parts that existed were basically handed to a handful of people, partially because very often the the role that itself was typecast, like it required right. a very particular type of person. So if you were specifically a woman of color, there was no opportunity, like there just wasn't a chance. One thing I do want to say about Nia Long, though, you forgot a great movie she was in where she was brilliant, which was Soul Food, which I love that movie. Oh, I, I never saw that. Oh, Soul Food, Jeremy, you got to watch. Soul Food's right. a really, it's actually a really, really lovely movie. And she was birdie in that movie, and she's really good. It, it's, I'm glad you said that, because as I was going through each of these uh, actors and actresses lists, each time I was picking up a movie or two, but half the time I didn't, you know, all you see is a title. So you don't necessarily know which are the good ones. But uh, yeah. I, I, I only had like 100 tabs open at a time. So I was <laughs> running right. out. 
Yeah, soul food is like a classic. Soul food was like a classic. It might be like age wise too, because I think it came out when I was like ten or eleven. But it was very much like in in my world, and I, I've seen it quite a few times. And she's wonderful in it. So what's uh, what's your last one? My what's last one, you could not have set up better. So December seventeenth, nineteen seventy four, in Los Angeles, California. Is it Gabriel Union? No, it's not. Oh, it's okay. not. However, I will give you one. The big hint is this person shared a role with who we just, or shared a, a movie with who we just talked about. Is it Chris Tucker? It's not Chris Tucker. Thank nope. God. Because so, yeah. <laughs> I just that was the, that was the danger zone right there. Yeah, I gotta I gotta stand behind uh, Chris Tucker in Rush Hour Seven. This is still happening. No, so uh, his first big break was actually that he had a recurring role on a, on a huge sitcom. Like when I say huge sitcom, I mean of all time, uh, as like an occasional regular. Okay. And I'll give you the name of his character was Seth Davis in a movie that he was in that you just mentioned with Nia Long. Hmm. <sighs> I'm the, I, I, you're stumping me, but go on. Okay. Uh, I mean, he's got over a hundred acting credits. Uh, I'll give you, uh, he was actually in another movie that we just referenced that ScarJo is in. I nothing? got nothing, buddy. I got nothing. This is Giovanni Rabisi. Oh, what an interesting pick. All right, keep going. I'm not. Uh, let's let's go with this. Okay. Want to hear where you go with this? So he's a he's an actor's actor, right? He's got like a hundred acting credits. He's been in a ton of stuff. He's done TV. He's done funny stuff like Ted, and he's doing the thing on Hulu now, which has gotten really good. Sneaky Pete, but I haven't actually seen it yet. I haven't seen it either. It's supposed to be um, good. It's supposed to be really good. Like, and he's getting like I think like might be getting Emmy nominations for for his role. Uh, so. A really bad movie he was in, but that he was very good in was The Other Sister, where which was about two handicapped kids that like fell in love. It's a really, really bad movie. Um, he actually, I thought, was really good in it. And like, uh, I forget who was in it with him, but she got like the Razzie for worst supporting actress. Like, it was so bad. But like, everyone was kind of like, he did great. That's a bad movie. Uh, Boiler Room, I thought he was brilliant. In. Like Boiler Room was, aside from being a seminal movie for me, just like a, as a moment in time, uh, also is just like a really, really good movie. And he was great. Like I thought he did really well. In Lost in Translation, as the kind of garbage boyfriend, he was really good. Uh, he was in Selma and played like one of the, like you know, sort of obnoxious white guys really well. You kind of wanted to punch him in the throat. Um, he was a medic in Saving Private Ryan and had like a really meaningful moment in that film. Like every, like he has all these little glimpses of like, oh my God, this, even like his creepiness in Ted, which is clearly just like satirical and funny, but like it's viable. Like he's creepy. Like he's super creepy in that movie. Uh, Or Ted two, sorry. He was in the second one. So I think it's two. It doesn't matter. Uh, I just think it's one of the two Ted's. He's, uh, he's just really good. Like, I just think he's really, really talented. And it's like it's one of those things where I get why he's not in more things, I think, because physically I think he's hard to cast potentially because if you put him into – if you try to plug him into a lot of the roles that he could be up for, like I, I think he's sort of – I think he's hurt by – like he kind of has like a – I have him in Pong, but like a Paul Giamatti thing where it's like 
you're just not going to get certain roles because you can't get cast for them. Like you, you don't work in that medium. But so here's a couple examples of where I think he could have been interesting. Um, because you've mentioned it before, but I think he would have been really interesting in Bender Hap Honeydew's uh, The Imitation Game. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Interesting. My my big problem, by, by the way, my biggest problem with this pick, just so you know, is I don't know if he has the gravitas to hold a room. I I don't. I all that's going through my head is I'm I'm, I'm sort of re-diagnosing Boiler Room from like 20 years ago, which isn't right. fair because it was 20 years ago. Uh, but there's no debate in my mind that 20 years ago version of Rubisi couldn't possibly hold up, and I haven't seen enough of his more recent stuff. I've always liked him too. But I'm trying, like, so I'll, I'll put it right back on you. Has he, has he matured into that? Like, I can own the screen for for long breaks and and important speeches. What do you think? Well, well, I don't know. Maybe not. I mean, I think what I would say is that I think you and I very much must have a different view because I my memory of him from, now again I was in a different place in my life and time when Boiler Room was important to me. So I'm sure I probably remember him being a lot better than he was. But I remember him having, I remember two or three parts in that movie where he had to turn up. And I felt like in a room full of Ben Affleck, Vin Diesel, that other swarmy cousin guy, like I felt like he was the voice for sure. I think, I think you're right in that, in that he could play the, um, he could, he could summon strength. I, I more mean of the, I mean more of a, almost like the quiet presence like mm. I think I think you can you can take a heavy dramatic moment. Can he take the more constant dramatic moment? Well, so here's a perfect example of here here's here's a role I would put him in that I think would put that to the challenge. Because I, I said uh Adam Driver in marriage story. The the intensity I'd like to see that. I I give you that. Okay. Cause yeah. the intensity of Adam Driver in that is the thing that I think he could lean into. Now as, as another one, and I actually wrote down, I don't know if I believe this, but I'm interested. Obviously, I don't think he can. Well, I don't know if he can sing. Maybe he can. But like if you try to install him in like A Star is Born, right, mm. where you need to be more sullen and a little bit sadder and not as intense, that I, I'd like to see him try, but he doesn't scream, I can do this sullen, heartbroken, breaking thing. But when you show me Adam Driver punching a wall, I'm like, yeah, Giovanni Rabisi, I think would be great at that. Fair enough. Actually, it's funny when you said sing. I thought you were going to say La La Land, which I actually think could be an interesting Rabisi yeah. part. If he yeah. could do that, I think if he, he could, could totally yeah. off. If he can sing, yeah. So yeah, that's my that's Giovanni Rabisi is my final my final pick for people who I think are underrated. Interesting pick. I you know it's funny because I see, I'm looking at Sneaky Peek right now, and and it's one of those shows that's been in my my watch list probably for like five years. Yeah, watch list should have a nat like they they should have a natural decay or something. Anyhow, uh, I you know I, I'm 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 curious. I'm cur- I'm not sold on him, but I'm curious. Okay. I'm okay with that. Would you like to play a little pong? I I do. So how how do you want it? We've got a little bit of a of a fun game this week. How are we going to do it, Jer? Well, I think let's pick the 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 next batch that we all put a little bit of that extra research into and just give it like one or two roles you would have liked to seen that person in okay love it that deal so Perfect. I'll open Tim Roth oceans 11 as George you, Clooney you could have said anything after Tim Roth and I would have said yes I love him go uh Benicio del Toro 
in Birdman. Oh, you know, it's funny. Del Toro, I, he's in, he, he hit my, I had him in this place of like actors. I absolutely love and am curious. Could they take bigger, different parts than they do? And I, I honestly don't know, but that's a, that's an interesting pick. That's an interesting pick. Here's one. John Cusack, who I'd argue again is not like that fully AAA list status. But what if he had played one of the 90s era Jack Ryan movies where he has just enough of the physicality because Jack Ryan wasn't meant to be um, a tough guy, right? He's like a smart spy guy. Uh, So I could see him in, especially in the uh, Patriot Games or Clear and Present Danger roles. I still love Alec Baldwin in uh, Hunt for October. So do I. Uh, yeah, that's interesting. I like that one. I like that one. It's funny. For some reason, maybe just because I think so fondly of him, he was not in my radar of underrated because I kind of feel like he's appropriately rated, but I, I like that construct. He, he might be. He might be. Um, so this one is, I didn't put in my top five because I think you're going to argue me that he's not underrated, but Mark Ruffalo. <laughs> um, and I would have liked, I'd like to see him in something a little darker. So I went like American Sniper, which was Bradley Cooper originally. Huh. All right. I don't think I, I think he's appropriately rated. I don't think he's ever going to be a. I think he's going to do what he does right now forever, which I have no problem with. Which I have no problem with. Whatever. I love him. I don't think he does either. Right. <laughs> There's not. I mean, if you can do indie films and be the Hulk, you know that's a pretty good life. You're probably pretty doing good. great. Here's one: uh, Christina Ricci from Adam's Family. She was like that precocious teen thing. Uh, what if she had taken the lead role in the show New Girl? So that's very interesting, except I saw her in Black Snake Moan and she's not a good actress and I'll never forgive her for it. Okay. <laughs> I, I really, really like her as Jess in New Girl, though. That's a very interesting swap. But uh, yeah, she just, she fell off my radar of people that I think can act. Uh, so... Ellen Page, who was nominated for but never won, I thought she would have been interesting in Blue Valentine in Michelle Williams' role. Oh, interesting. Uh, I'm watching her in Umbrella Academy, and I'm sort of liking her less than I used to. Do you know what's so funny? I really like Umbrella Academy. I haven't started the second season yet, but it's, I had the same thing. I was like, why don't I like you in this? You're less believable now than you used to be. I liked you before. She's, she's t- a little too... I don't know. I, I, again, it could just be the way she's being directed. I think she's, she's being a little too whiny. Yeah. Just doesn't, doesn't, I, I've seen her do much, much better work. Um, I agree. Next up on my list is Rosie Perez driving the <laughs> bus, driving the bus and speed. Oh man. I please, please, please. Someone make this happen. Please make, <laughs> or just like make a super cut of all of her, all of her language from white men can't jump and put it over the speed as a sound somehow just, that would be yeah. great. But I actually think because of her performance in um, do the right thing. And then white man can jump. She got instantly sort of typecast as like, yep. I don't know, like too loud Latina actress at the time when there weren't a lot of roles for that. And totally again, right. give her some opportunity. Let's see what she could have done. I agree. Uh, so Zoe Saldana, I would like to see, I think she could have done Zero Dark Thirty really, really well. But she's sort of an A-lister. No? So that's why, the reason she was out, so she doesn't get nominated for anything, but I think people think of her, like because of Avatar, and she's done a lot of stuff, and obviously now she's in the MCU. So I don't know. I wasn't, like, she's an A-list star without the creds. Like, without, like, the, she, the oh, recognition. Okay. 
she she's like um she's more star less actress is what or or known for yeah, I, known for yeah 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 she's so she's the reason we like i to be completely candid we talked about like maybe if you have a star on the walk of fame you can't be there she was one of the reasons why uh, i'm like no because she's super famous and she should be but i don't think people take her seriously as an actress and i think they should fair here's one and and i have a quick backstory here uh molly ringwald okay i i want her i want her in pretty woman Oh wow, my whole brain, my whole brain just broke. And, and the reason I say that, so I've learned a few interesting things about the Brat Pack over the past few weeks, which is that basically most of their careers got utterly demolished as a result of being labeled the Brat Pack and, and hijinks that ensued in the eighties. Uh, and so I originally actually had every one of them on this list, um, wh- where I'd argue actually most notably Anthony Michael Hall I think got the most shafted through it all. Uh, I think he actually had the most range of potential, maybe even Judd Nelson. But Molly Ringwald got so typecast and then sort of disappeared. But if she had somehow gotten that pretty woman role, she might have been our, our just up there with the Julia Roberts. Yeah, that's really interesting. That's a that's really like yeah, that would have been a really different trajectory and would have been really fun. Uh, I'll give you Sandy Newton in Gone Girl. Interesting, because I had her. In Born Identity. Oh yeah, okay, kind of a same similar same, similar yeah, yeah. name. Yeah, for sure. Great choice. Uh, here's one with a hundred and eighty-five acting credits to his name, including singing for over a hundred episodes of The Electric Company from the nineteen seventies. And it's an actor who you who I I would for, I forget his name constantly. Giancarlo Esposito. Do you know who he is? I don't. He's. Gus Fring from Breaking Bad. He's in The Mandalorian. Oh, uh, yeah. He's been in the usual suspects. He's actually done 185 things. Sure. And we barely know his name. Imagine him. And, you know, he, I, again, I don't, I don't think he could go all of the parts, but I got two that I thought would be interesting. Uh, Pacino's role in Scent of a Woman. Very interesting. Or um, Kevin Spacey's role in American Beauty. Oh, okay. I don't know if they work. I really don't. But those are the kind um, of roles that I think he could have maybe been up for and, again, brought his name into the more of the limelight. So I, I, I see Son of a Woman more so than Spacey. I don't see the creep factor with him as much. Although I don't, again, because he's like a bit actor, I don't have a good sense of him. You know what I mean? Oh, so maybe you should watch Breaking Bad. <laughs> All right. It's on the list, bud. (laughs) All right, all right. Keep going. All right, let's go with John C. Riley, who I really, really wanted to put in this list. I I knew you would put him on the list. I knew he was going to be in your list, by the way. And by the way, I also thought Rabisi would be in your list. Okay, that's fair. Uh, So John C. Riley, I'm going to go. I would have liked to see him in The Descendants, which was George Clooney. I think he would have been really good in that. Interesting. Uh, We mentioned her before. I'll give you Gabrielle Union. Uh, In... Sort of anything Gwyneth Paltrow did, uh, anything Kate Blanchett did, and most things Hilary Swank did. Yep. But most importantly, could you imagine her in um, King Kong taking Naomi Watts's role? Ooh, I like that. Which obviously the movie was kind of a flop, but definitely brought uh, Naomi Watts more visible. And Gabrielle Union, not only is she a great actress, she's like Naomi Watts. She has that classic beauty, like just like like a refined i don't know i don't know the right words that, that refined just a beautiful woman she's stunning 
Yeah. It would have been great in uh, King Kong, I think. Yeah, uh, I like that a lot. Uh, I'll give you, so I already mentioned him, but I want to call it out again. So Paul Giamatti is the one where I think everyone respects him as an actor, but then I went looking and I'm like, oh, this dude actually has not been not like, I thought he like maybe, maybe might've won for sideways or something. Like he's just been in lots of stuff, but he didn't, he hasn't won over anything. Um, I thought he would have been really interesting, even though Christian Bale crushed vice. Um, I thought Giamatti would have been interesting in a role like that. Hmm. Interesting. You, you would never normally pick, uh, Giamatti and Bale like for the same part, but that's one I think you, I think that's a fair point. Well, it's because Bale played so outside of who he usually is. Whereas I think that falls more into Giamatti should play a role like that. That's how good Bale was. Here's my last, uh, specific pong. And then we'll move into the quick round. Uh, I've got Lance Reddick. Who's from the wire. Uh, you probably, he, he's the, the hotel guy in the rock in the, in, in John wick. Um, he runs. Oh the, yeah. Oh, I love that guy. Okay. Playing Roger Sterling in mad men. The uh, the parts. Oh, that's a great Howard cast. Stark. That's great casting. That's great casting. I love that. Uh, so my my last one for Pong is uh, Tilda Swinton in anything Nicole Kidman has ever played, and a lot of stuff Kate Blanchett has done. It's so funny that we're both like throwing these actresses and actors around, like oh anything they did. Uh, that's interesting. Tilda Swinton's so talented, but she's so quirky. Well, she's quirky, and there's a the reason that I didn't say everything Kate Blanchett does is because there's a certain refinement to Kate Blanchett that I don't think Tilda Swinton has. Tilda Swinton has a fair. very she has an edge, a definable edge. That's fair. Um, I actually had a really hard time placing her because, and this is what kind of woke me up to the fact that there's a lot of like specifically, I'm going to say biopic instead of biopic this time because I don't know which one's right. Um, but the the biopic roles where it's like, oh, you're English, you have to be a queen there's only like six people that will ever do that, right? Like we're just going to get, it's going to be Helen Mirren, it's going to be Kate Blanchett, and we're never going to look at anybody else. Now Olivia Coleman as well. Yes. But like, so Tilda Swinton winds up in this corner where she's like, I, I need you guys to do more movies like Train Spotting. What am I supposed to do as an English actress? <laughs> like, you know, how do I get roles? Um, and then I just think Nicole Kidman is highly overrated. And I think Tilda Swinton is a better actual actor. So it would, I would have preferred to see her in some of that stuff. All right, do you have a couple where you just want Kind of fire him off. I'm gonna throw a few more names on the list. Uh, Tom Skerritt was pretty high on my list. Love that guy. Uh, I had Rob Lowe, as we sort of talked about Brad Packish, because I don't yep. think he ever really got considered that level. I was looking into Steve Martin for a while, who we all love, mm. but I don't think again. I think he he can handle some really heavy roles. Uh, John Turturro is on my list as a guy I who adore John Turturro, right? But I also yep. I have a hunch. I don't think he could actually carry a full movie just a hunch and then that um two last ones michael k williams uh omar from the wire and yeah. angela bassett i think also fell into that uh grew up through an era where it didn't get offered the same roles she deserved to, to play so I, my last few uh i think joseph gordon levitt is better than people give him credit for and i think he could do more i actually would like to see him carry something other than a comedy I think Emmy Rossum is really good, and I'd love to see her break out of the shameless stuff and do even more. I think Rosario Dawson is lovely and super talented, and I wish that she did more stuff, but I think she's happy Rosario doing Dawson. what she does. Yeah, that's a good She's choice. really good. Sarah Paulson's another one, same deal. Like, I think she's huh. kind of like, I think her star is rising, though. I think people are starting to give her a little bit more because she's now sharing the screen with bigger names, and I think she'll get there. Um, Sasha Baron Cohen. Like, I know that's I, a I think he's on one. his way. I think he's already on his way, man. 
But like the thing with him is like, I think you like because of what he does, people forget it's acting. It's acting. It's like the really hardest acting and he's killing it. Uh, and then the last two. Uh, so Mandy Panikin, who is like Pinkin. Thank you. Sorry. From, <laughs> uh, so, you know, Inigo Montoya. Inigo Montoya saw from Homeland. Everything that he's in, he specifically was in. Um, uh, what's the Zach Braff movie? Wish You Were Here. And his performance in that, in a movie that was somewhat underwhelming, I thought was beautiful. And then lastly, just because he's the best and was the best, and I'm sad he's gone, but Alan Rickman. I, mm. I think movie mm. people love him. Mm. And I think actor people who are like nerdy like us love him. But I don't know that the ethos understands how good he was. Interesting. You know that uh, Hans Gruber was his first film role? No, I did not. Yeah. Go look at oh, his You know thing. what? I did know that because you told me that on the podcast once. <laughs> I'm already repeating myself. We're only 19 episodes in and I'm repeating myself. Oh, uh, listen, they're, they're long episodes, so it's totally fair. Uh, all right, man. Listen, uh, how, so how do you think this went? You were you were you struggled with this one a little bit because, uh, you know, I, I, I got into it. I got into it. All right, I good. had a good time. And in the spirit of sticking with uh, actors and actresses, but I'm going to go back to naming movies. Uh, in the honor of the recent release of Bill and Ted Face the Music, we're going to do the top five Keanu Reeves or Alex Winter films. <laughs> he did some stuff. Did he? <laughs> A thing or two. Whatever. I'm just having some fun with it. Just I love it. Fun with it. No, no, no. I absolutely love it. I can't wait to go see if I've seen anything Alex Winters was in other than Bill and Ted. <laughs> nice. Uh, well, I think I'm going to go finish uh, binging through the rest of Peaky Blinders just so I can keep staring into Kelly Murphy's pond-like... I, I wish I was a poet because I think you could write poems about his eyes. And I'm not even that guy. I rarely know... Like, I couldn't... If you were to say name five actors with beautiful eyes, I would pretty much start and stop the list with Killian Murphy. Just uh, listen. striking. Yeah, he, the, he, they are striking, and he is striking, and what a striking time we've had. Uh, but it is time for us to go. This one definitely ran long, and I'm not sad about it because this was a good, a good time. Thanks for letting us be your wingman, everybody.